You're listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a proud part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Many scenes throughout have been repositioned and the picture has been given, I think, a new life, which does in fact act as an illumination of what the two films meant. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell, especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6, this is Sequel Cast, and they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast, and your hosts have asked that I inform you that the show will now begin. Hello, and welcome to Sequel Cast 2, a podcast looking at movies and a franchise. One movie at a time, and I think this this one is uh, a first. Uh, I'm Matt Bradley Shergi. With me is Thrasher, Zaza, and Alex. Alex, oh Al Pacino! I might be in character this whole episode. Who are Alex Pacino? Uh, yeah, Hoo-ah. we are taking a look at uh, a new cut of a movie, which I don't think we've done, and it's not totally off limits. But this was such a kind of a surprise that this was happening. Uh, we kind of made it happen. Francis Ford Coppola has recut three of his films and re-released them in 2020 uh, on home video. And, and this most recent one, I think, uh, I don't think it's the most radical of all the cuts, but it's certainly made a lot of press. It's recutting The Godfather 3 into something with a new title, The Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone. And, and this is a really interesting turn because... It's funny because it's always regarded um, Godfather 3, I always feel like, kind of gets unfairly kicked around a lot because it obviously doesn't live up to 1 and 2, admittedly hard acts to follow. However, it almost kind of feels like, in a way, like Coppola recutting it and, you know, rejiggering it is almost kind of like his way of admitting that there's something wrong with the film, in a way. I'm glad you mentioned that, because that was something I, I, I noticed. That one, that is just called, like, God the Godfather Coda, right there in the new title, he is segregating it from the first two films. Right. And so so much of this movie, like especially in the in the beginning, it feels like this movie exists to be separate. Right. Like if you look at his filmography, you don't see a 2019 Apocalypse Now, or you don't see a 2020 Cotton Club Encore. You know, those are just different cuts of those films. But if you look at like you know Letterboxd here, 2020, the death of Michael Corleone is it? 2020 release yeah i i watched uh, some interviews that they did to promote this uh, online and one francis ford coppola is a lot skinnier now that sort of surprised me i was um, worried he was sick it turns out he's actually healthy so that's good yeah well this him. movie was released to a lot of hoopla <laughs> yeah and uh they were saying you know he made over 300 minor edits some of it's just making scenes pace a bit faster some of it he changes the music i mean the the biggest thing that we will and we will spoil this listeners um is the change of the beginning and the ending but that's not the only change i mean i did watch a lot of youtube people reviewed this and they're like they just changed two scenes that's it this is a ripoff and it's like that's not really true yeah i mean i I don't think i've seen a, a website that did a you know, a belabored thing trying to point out all 350 odd changes, but it like is side by side. Yeah. Right. But it, it is quite, the pacing's better. I mean, if you hated Godfather three, I don't think this is going to change your mind, No, but it, it makes the plot more, um, I think flow better. It makes it more coherent. And uh, someone made a good joke online that 
so you see when the title card comes up, it says the Godfather Coda. That's in the Godfather font. And then it goes to another screen where it just says the death of Michael Corleone. And the way that font looks almost looks like the font in the titles of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> but it, it, it is. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, maybe it'd be a bit wordy to have all the, the, the Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone on one screen. Yeah. But it looks a little weird the way they did it. Yeah, which is odd because they're so consistent about the font and like, you know, they did a really good job in like, you know, marketing and packaging um, the Godfather films from the jump. Like even the captions on the DVD collection have the same exact font as the title of the film. Like the the, the oh, optional yeah, yeah. captions, yeah, not just the captions right. when people speak in Italian. Um, so for I, I, I that's I'm glad you mentioned because that stuck out to me too. I'm like a different font, okay? What's going on here, Francis? Like. <laughs> It's a weird decision. Maybe he was just bored during COVID and decided to recut his films. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, hey, right. They could be or wanted something to do. I mean, he's supposed to be working on some new movies. I think the last thing he did was Twixt, which is a, a strange sort of vampire picture. And I see something about Henry uh, Longuire on here, which is really cool because I love Henry Longuire stuff. The guy who ran the uh, Cinematheque in, uh, mm. in France during for for so many years. But um, you know, it was interesting though. Is that um, you know, I was over the moon, or as uh, pun intended, I was I was jazzed about the Cotton Club encore. Didn't, um, and I was pumped about the Apocalypse Now cut. And I watching those like those felt like more noticeably different films than right. Godfather Code feels to Godfather Three. I mean, there are definitely noticeable cuts and alterations and stuff like that. But like, I felt like well. You know, the Cotton Club Encore and Apocalypse Now, those are different cuts of those films. This feels less like a separate film from Godfather 3 than those movies do to those films. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the only reason he made Godfather 3 to begin with is he needed the money. And he right. admits as much as his wineries. He put a lot of money into the winery, and mm -hmm. that wasn't quite getting off the ground. And he did things like One from the Heart, did some movies that were very expensive, didn't make that much money. Uh, Thrasher, do you have any kind of initial thoughts watching this? Because I know it's been a while since we talked about Godfather Three on the show. Yeah, the so overall, I overall I I enjoyed this, but the movie had this version of the movie did have to win me over, but by the end it did. Uh, and and two things that jump out is one, I do I do think this is a little bit better structure than the original cut. Everything yeah. has much more time to much more time and space in which to breathe. And so, as a result, I think the dramatic moments have a lot more impact. That being said, you know, we talk about little instances in the in the music. Uh, I felt like there are so many scenes where music seems are so artificially inserted and also mm -hmm. completely unnecessary. Yeah, it, it, it feels. Um, it also kind of feels. It's dated in the way that films from the early '90s feel dated. Mm. Like, oh yeah, it has that early that '90s grainy look to the film. And also, just like the musical cues, they just kind of feel like you know, it's like when you'd watch a director of video film, and it sounds like it was completely composed on like a Casio keyboard. You know, <laughs> um, there's like some moments like that, like when, especially when they're in Italy with um, uh, with the son there, uh, doing like warming up for the opera and everything. But it was funny because yeah. like you said, Matt, that a lot of people are like, oh, they just changed the beginning and the end and nothing else. And then while I was watching it, I was thinking, I was like, this doesn't feel massively different. And then I'm like, duh, that's because Francis Coppola is a really good editor and you're not supposed to notice it. You know what I mean? Right. It's that kind of hide in plain sight type thing where I'm like, oh, it just, you know, the film flows better. It feels a little more natural. I'm like, that's 
that's what good editing is. You're not supposed to, you know, get cracked across the head like you're watching a Godard flick or something like that. Yeah, you know I, mean? I think we need to get into uh, the elephant in the room here, which is the beginning and the ending. So the original one opens, you're seeing like the the empty um, hall, like the, the empty house of the what the, their lakeside uh, abode where a lot of Godfather 2 takes place and it's like oh, all yeah. empty and kind of spooky looking and you, you hear do they replay clips of uh, Michael killing his brother Fredo mm-hmm. and um, and then it cuts to uh, Michael Corleone writing a letter about how he loves his kids and how they're the most important thing and then it goes into this big sequence where he gets this award from uh, the the Pope, more or less, he gets some some kind of big, or from the Vatican, gets a big award, and then it goes into this big opening um, kind of celebration he has with his his friends and family. But instead, uh, Godfather Coda opens with the scene that that you know more mirrors the opening of the original Godfather, where um, in the original one, it's uh, was it Americo Vespucci is talking to. Don Corleone about oh you you to do a favor for me in this one it's a head Vatican guy kind of asking for a favor from um, Michael Corleone I, I think it works a lot better because otherwise in the movie you get all this dump info, info dump about the Vatican plot after uh-huh. you've sat through thirty minutes of this presentation with a lot of new characters of this uh, celebration and you're just kind of exhausted at that point and the last thing you want is more exposition. I, I gotta say, overall, I think the, this introduction is much more effective. Uh, mm-hmm. There is some tension in the meeting with the representative or with the head of the Vatican yeah. Bank, uh, and it does establish the the film's stakes. I mean, this this deal he cuts with this favor he does for the Vatican Bank. By the end of the movie, this will all have come back around and impacted right. all the characters in so so many ways. And that, and you know what else though? George Hamilton's in the scene. It makes me realize. I really miss George Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's he's better in this than I remembered. I mean, I think a lot of people were bagging on him because he wasn't Robert Duvall, and Robert Duvall uh-huh. turned this down because he didn't have, um, you know, they weren't going to pay what his rate was. But then I found this really bizarre interview where someone was asking Duvall about Godfather 3, and he said, well, Francis Ford Coppola came to my house, and he was more interested in my grandmother's recipe than offering me the part in the movie. <laughs> So I'm not sure. I think he had a lot going on. This movie, they had to be rushed to hit this Christmas date. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of time for the editing originally. Um, yeah. I mean, I well, think the George, budget was... What? So, uh, George, George Hamilton, by the way, I say I miss him. He's not dead. He's just largely right, yeah, tired. Right. Just not yep. doing as much, right? Um, he's just charming yeah. in this old-fashioned way. I really I really liked him. Even though he didn't have too much to do, he still had a presence. No. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I think with this intro, it's the it, it's consistent with the first two films in that you have someone having a tête-à-tête with Michael Corleone, and it's the perfect juxtaposition between the the life of you know of Michael Corleone and and the themes of the film, and also just the inherent corruption going on within the Vatican and all the papal intrigue and stuff like that. Whereas you know the first film, it's this uh, you know very you know very self-made immigrant who's you know looking for justice. In the second film, it's a little more dubious with the gaming commission license, and then in this film, it's even ridiculously dubious with you know someone from the Vatican <laughs> approaching a reputed or I guess semi-retired uh, mafioso. So it's, it's it kind of follows these echelons and, and 
you know, these moral, uh, you know, moral dubiousness in the film, which I think is really cool. Well, I think that's another thing this movie establishes about Michael Corleone much better than the original cut is that he's not that he's retired. It's that he's gone legit. He is now a legitimate businessman yeah, mm-hmm. and everything he does is above board. But of course, he's still haunted by the shadow of his uh, his his criminal dealings. Oh, yeah. And like of the you can tell, too, it's a, like the relationship he has with um, Vincent and Annie Garcia, where he's like, you know, we got to kill someone, so we got to kill Joey Sosa. He's like, don't even say it to me. Like, I can't even say the word kill in front of anyone. You know what I mean? Like, that's how mm. legit I am. Like, I am so divorced from the life of crime that, you know, I, I can't even hear you, buddy. You know, like, and he does a really good job of, of playing that, you know, that sagely, um, you know, wise dude and... Um, and he plays it a little different from Brando, too, you know. He's not the world-weary yeah. kind of, blah, blah, blah. you know, he's a very modern dude. He's got cool sunglasses and stuff, so. Yeah. I don't like his hair in this movie. Apparently, neither I, I much of the cast. And I, I uh, crazy, yeah. the, the original makeup guy was going to be Dick Smith, who did the first two movies, and Dick Smith uh, won the Oscar for Amadeus and all these kind of things. But um, he got so mad that Coppola cut Pacino's hair that he walked off the set and quit. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the hair bugged me, and I thought that was just a weird thing that no one would give a shit about. Um, but I guess it's a little reassuring that I'm not Coppola, alone. Yeah, Coppola had final say. He said he wanted to give him kind of more like a military-style crew cut, but I'm not sure why. I mean, Pacino had longer hair in this film. It does make weird. him look older. I guess I'll give him that. You see more yeah. of his hairline with the shorter hair, but it, it doesn't really scream Godfather and... Well, I, I guess think Michael was in this... the military, though. Yeah, but still, yeah. I mean, why at this age? Why? Uh, no one else. It, I mean, if him and like all his his son, his son had the same haircut, or I don't know, maybe that could have been something. But and you have, you know, the the famous thing this film would get bagged on was Sofia Coppola had to be cast as Mary Carleone because right. they had no time. It originally was going to be Winona Ryder. At another point, yes. it was going to be Madonna or Julia Roberts, or you know, the character is going to be a bit older. But I could see um, any of those guys doing it, um, and it's easy to rag on Madonna, but um, when she's good, she's actually great, like um, Desperately Seeking Susan or Abel Ferreira's uh, Dangerous Game. Yeah. When Yeah, she has a good director. She can do some pretty interesting acting, um, but I think Winona Ryder would have fucking nailed it. Um, well, that's one of the ways this... this this version won me over is that as, as this cut goes on, and I don't know if it's just, if it's just things being cut around her, but Sofia Coppola, when it's like in the early scenes, particularly in that, that big gathering where Corleone is getting all those awards, it really is like just very unpolished. It's kind of like forced acting by the end of the film. She's not acting. She's just saying, she's just speaking and doing things and everything's so much more natural. Yeah. She's, um, sorry, she's not bad in the flirtatious scene, I think, with her cousin Vincent where they're making the gnocchi. Uh-huh. I think that's okay. And some of the flirty stuff in the beginning works okay. Like, uh, who's your father? Well, he's, let me give you a guess. He's Italian. Right. Right. And that, that's okay. But it's, at one point she mispronounces Corleone. Uh, it, a lot of it's just so flat. And I mean, she would admit like she wasn't, she was doing this as a favor to the family and stuff, but that's not a fair position for her to be in. Right. I'm surprised they, they didn't just shut down production and cast someone else in the part, but it's, it is what it is. 
Yeah, like like you said, a lot of people like unfairly, I think, um, you know, give Sofia Coppola a hard time. But I don't think that's very fair in that it doesn't even seem like she it feels like she kind of is doing this very begrudgingly. She does not look comfortable for a lot of the film. Um, you can just tell that I don't think she really was digging this very much. And um, yeah, and, you know, a lot of people act like it's like the kiss of death for the Godfather three. And I love Godfather 3, but, like, at the end of the day, it's not a perfect movie. It's, you know, it's got some jagged edges. And um, also, I remember when I first saw it and the whole cousin thing, I had to, like, check the date. I'm like, is this, like, do I have the right time period? Are they second cousins or something? And there's even a line where, like, Al Pacino's like, you know, he's your cousin, right? Your first cousin. And then she goes, like, that means I love him first. Mm. Yeah, and you're kind of um, like okay. So, so as far as far as like, because I think this is set in like seventy eight, seventy nine, and what they don't give you the date, but so much of it has to do with Pope John Paul the First, who was only pope for like thirty three days. Right. So yeah. that kind of firmly establishes where this this film rests in in in, in time. So I was think I was thinking about that because we know we know that uh, we. We know that Vincent uh, is 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 a bastard, and it's a big and it's a big deal when you know when when Michael said you know you 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 will carry the name of Corleone, you will be Vincent Corleone. Yeah. That's that's a huge thing when he's kind of like even as the bastard child given the name. He's so I did I did some I did some thinking. This is something I picked up watching this cut that I did not pick up the original cut. Do you think that Vincent and Mary might in fact be? brother and sister that michael might actually be vincent's father i almost got that vibe because um mm. but also i i like that because he is technically sonny's uh kid right or that's he's what they supposed say to, yes he's supposed well, and, to be. and in the godfather three in the original cut it had a scene where they go oh he's sonny's kid and it did a flashback to godfather one where sonny is having sex with the woman during the wedding in the first movie Right. During the celebration at the beginning, but they cut that part out. But I mean, it, that would be an interesting twist to make it more, even more tragic, more like a Greek. Uh, yeah, it is something. very Shakespearean and like like a Greek tragedy, and that you have this family and you know three sons and yada yada yada. Um, I thought I was I was going over the the cousin thing too, just because the, the thing that I thought was interesting. I won't spend too much time laboring on it, but. Um, there's no moment where they like, you know, bemoan or like have this like woe of like, oh, the world won't accept our love or you know what I mean. They're never like, there's no reveal where they like, oh my god, we're cousins or something like that. Like they don't ever like struggle with it ever. They're like, you know, she starts flirting with them from the jump, with the requisite knowledge that you know Vinny's her cousin. Mm-hmm. And yeah, had that, had that been like it. a reveal, that would have been yeah made more sense and you might have felt sorry a bit i guess right or they don't really like struggle with the fact that they are you know blood relatives um and then at at the end i mean what do you think of the new ending thrasher all right, so, so explain whole, what happens. The whole sequence of events, all the cross cutting from the the opera, uh, and all the other the the vengeance killings happening all over the world with with you know with the Pope and and the uh, Immobilari uh, investors and chair people. 
overall, I thought it was pretty good. It had a nice flow to it. It did it did build uh, a lot of tension. That being said, <laughs> after that, we we then cut we then cut to Tim Conway as the world's oldest man. <laughs> and real quick, uh, like 15 seconds of him, maybe. And then we cut to that, that weird quote. And then the credits start. That is so abrupt and so out of place. Yeah. I feel, I almost feel like the original ending worked a lot better because in the original ending, don't you see Michael Corleone in the chair as an older man and then he just kind of collapses, right? And you have to mention his daughter dies, gets shot. Oh, they oh, both yeah. get shot, I guess. But yeah, she's she, accidentally shot during a gangland her last assassination word, attempt. Yeah, her last word is dad, but it, I almost wish they wouldn't have had her say anything. Right, um, yeah. And huh. yeah, and then it goes several years later in Italy. You're right, but he, I think he's holding some oranges, maybe, or there's some there's something related to fruit, I think, to kind of make the callback to the father. But yeah, right. he just dies alone on a bench. He collapses. And we and, and we don't even really see the collapse in this cut. Yeah, it comes no, to, no, they cut Joe's before. face. He's got the you know Edward Scissorhands went on a rider makeup, and that's it, right? Yeah, the quote says something like a Sicilian never forgets, or yeah, if a Sicilian wishes you centenari, they're wishing you a mm-hmm. long life, and a Sicilian who like makes a promise never forgets. Uh, I mean, the I think the implication is that he always has to live with the guilt of. You know, he couldn't save his daughter. He had well, I mean, that brother, moment, like, he has... his daughter dies. That that is that is the that is his sort of sort of a spiritual death. Yes. Uh, yeah. He, definitely. Like, there's nothing in his life left for him now. You know, because he even we even open with that bit about how my only true treasure is my family. Well, he doesn't have a right. family anymore. Right. And yeah, the was... thing too is that like um, like the Catholic guilt thread going through. It's like a, it's like the swarm between Scorsese, Coppola. And Paul Schrader, I guess mm-hmm. Schrader would be more of like a Calvinist regret thing, not so much Catholic guilt. But, um, you know, in, in the Godfather one, it's kind of like this King Lear thing. Um, Godfather 2, you kind of have like a Cain and Abel thing with Fredo. And with this, it's kind of like a sins of the father thing. Um, his son is fine. basically realizes that he killed his uncle Fredo and wants nothing to do with him. Um, his daughter's veering away from him. And then, you know, she's very much killed and you know because of her father's actions and that's a really interesting route to go and then the whole uh, vatican intrigue because i think um you know after the second vatican council and what like the mid 60s and stuff it really kind of put a weird cast the the, the, the church, catholic church has cast a really weird shadow after that and um with uh, Paul's death um, within, you know, what, like you said, 30-something days, right? Yeah, he was only Pope for, I think, roughly 33 days. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it was a really interesting route to take. And um, my only complaint, though, is that the first half of the film is, like, I think so great, you know, with the, the Joey Zaza assassination. Yeah, and that was Yeah, and also it's like, I know, um, I don't think Francis Ford Coppola is ever going to direct a Western but that's about as close as we're going to get. And that's okay with me because seeing Annie Garcia on horseback <laughs> freaking drilling a couple into the back of uh, Joe Montana saying Zaza is like the coolest thing ever. Um, and I love Joe Montana. Oh, he's so good. He's really this. good yeah. at this. A lot of energy. And uh, the parade assassination where the dude with the cloak whips out the shotgun and everything. That was great. Um, some great direction there. But um, 
and then I feel like once we get to Rome, I just feel like it, it just kind of it, it slows down a lot. And then when it get to we get to the operatic finale, it's almost a little too like trying to parallel the you know it's like you have the drama of opera paralleling the action of the film. Um, and E.I. Wallach with the poison cannolis kind of cracks me up. Like, oh. we have all these, like, deadly pastries, you know? Um, but, yeah, I, I, the pacing to me is, it was a little bit better in this cut, but I, it still felt, like, a little long. Like, it, we go from one setting to another, and it's just kind of like, you know, like, I feel like the brakes go a little bit. Did you guys feel that at all? Especially when um, Michael Corleone is taking uh, his, his ex-wife, to all around Italy and they're watching like the play with the puppet and all these things. It's that kind of goes on for a while. I mean that they really, I don't know why you have the character there. That's uh, Hagen's son. Mm. It seems that yeah. just seems every time you see that, like I'd rather see Robert Duvall as Hagen. <laughs> I think they make him mention that he's dead or something, but it's pretty, they don't yeah, really... it's kind of a throwaway line, right? It's a throwaway line, and so that he's such a big character in the first two films and stuff. That just really, I mean, I think not having him in there is a bigger sin than not not recasting uh, Sofia Coppola as Mary Culley as a uh, Maria Corleone. <laughs> but it's, but the, the ending with the quote. I mean, I think it's some reviews I read. Um, I read way too many reviews on this, but one was just. Saying like, oh, well, that ending implies that he's going to get his revenge, and it's like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No. It's it says. I mean, that might be what people want, and right. it, it's, um, you know, Andy Garcia who plays Vincent in this says like, I'll direct the Godfather Four if Francis gives me uh, his <laughs> blessing, like because in some interviews promoting this, Francis Ford Coppola says, I'm an old man, I don't want to do any more Godfathers. Hi, I'm Ray, and this is my friend Alex. Hi. And we do a show called No More Whoppers. Between us, we're as old as four RPG protagonists. And now Alex will give us a funny anagram for the name of the show. Uh, big old knockers. Uh. Join us every month or so on the Greenlit Podcast Network. How does Crazy Taxi stack up against, say, Papers, Please? And what's the one 3DO FMV game that gives Mario Party a run for its money? Find out on Hardcore Gaming 101's Top Games, where we objectively, definitively, and scientifically rank the games you nominate for our ever-growing list. HG101's Top Games, twice a week, every week, right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. We did have a Godfather 4 in development right before Mario Puzo died, mm. where it would have mirrored the, the structure of Godfather 2, but instead you'd have a story of um, a young Vito and young, young Luca Brasi uh, kind of cross-cutting with the modern day of Vincent doing, you know, having drugs be part of the their business in the 80s and, uh, and dealing with that. Mm. I and do that, like that they reference that in this too, where they're like, you know, your enemies grow powerful on, you know, your scraps kind of thing, because they're mm-hmm. like the Corleone family didn't do drugs, and that's why all these other families got powerful. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Godfather Coda, it... Stuff's a bit tighter here and there. I was reading some more details of some of the cuts, like apparently in, in the assassination stuff at the end, you see less of the assassinations and more of the play of the, of the opera going on. Okay. So I, I would like to see some side-by-side stuff to see exactly what's different, but I don't, you know, it's an interesting different take on it. I think certainly the beginning makes the, the plot a bit more clear and there's a better structure. I, I almost wish you would have gone more radical with it, but um, maybe we'll see more cuts. Maybe in the next, you know, recut will be Francis Ford Coppola's Jack. 
<laughs> Nick Robin Williams and Bill Cosby and all of that. Oh yeah, maybe they'll do like um like a Ridley Scott thing, and Christopher Plummer will play the <laughs> Bill Cosby part. They'll cut out Bill Cosby and just cut into Christopher Plummer. <laughs> that could be. It's uh, really something. I mean, I. But yeah, I mean, people watching this expecting a miracle, they're not going to get it. But it's it's an interesting take, and uh, we'll just have to see what what other stuff happens. I mean, what I would like to see come out on, on an HD version, it's only aired on TV, although it had a, a brief VHS and Laserdisc release, is the Godfather saga, where they recut yeah, they... Godfather 1 and 2 chronologically and added like over an hour of deleted scenes. Oh, yeah. Which is very cool, yeah. Um, and another, th- what I what I do want to mention really quickly, what I like about what Francis Ford Coppola is doing, is that he's recutting his films and giving us these different versions with with some, you know, maybe previously excised footage brought back to life. But you know what he's doing is that he's leaving the originals for us to see if we want them. Exactly. This isn't the only version of The Godfather 3 that you can watch now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same with Apocalypse Now. You got that, like, you know, freaking super-duper box set. And you can watch the theatrical, the Redux, and then the whatever the Final Cut new one is called. And it's like, thank you. Your friend George could learn a lot from you. Right. Well, I, I, I was do. watching this and wondering, where are the Rontos and the Dubacks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do wonder with the, in 2021, there's going to be a 4K set of the Godfather trilogy. And I oh, wonder if it'll have, I wonder if this will have this in there along with the original theatrical cut or what I kind of so. crazy stuff they put in there. Yeah, I, I hope so too. It'll be interesting to see what they do oh, with that. Because so. whenever the Godfather comes out first on a format, it's always a huge event. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would like to see too is that, um, I'd like to see Francis not maybe, maybe not recut, but just kind of restore and make, um, you know, from some of his earlier stuff, we don't talk about as much like Finian's Rainbow or The Rain People. The Rain People is a really interesting film. Um, a definitive, uh, maybe there is a definitive Dementia 13 out there. I just don't know about it, but um, that would be really cool to see. Um, I was always, uh, I, I always found uh, The Rain People a really interesting film. <clears throat> and Finian's Rainbow is a strange movie. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, it's, a, it's an odd film, but it's an interesting one to watch, and it would be cool to see a definitive version of that. It was kind of the last of that big Hollywood roadshow musical big budget thing. About uh, making mentholated tobacco, of all things? Yes. It's <laughs> so strange. Very, very strange. So we'll... Uh, I tell you, this asbestos is going to really revive this town. <laughs> right, or maybe... I mean, what I'd like to see is kind of... I don't know how you could do this, but... Oliver Stone had this really nice box set on DVD of like most of his movies. Mm-hmm. And to do that with the Coppola stuff would be interesting, but it's between so many different studios. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, right now we've got cri- you know, Criterion release Rumblefish and um, maybe just Rumblefish, yeah, of uh, Coppola stuff. Um, so, yeah, it would be cool to have like kind of a definitive uh, Coppola set, you know, like Dementia 13, The Godfather films, The Conversation which is just one of the best goddamn movies ever made. Um, Outsiders, yeah. one part, yeah. Don't forget yes. Captain EO. <laughs> yes, Captain EO. Um, I actually, I would, lo- I would love like a high definition, like criterion release of that, but also <laughs> with all of the promotional material that was made at the time, because I remember that being relentlessly, pr- relentlessly promoted with making ofs and behind the scenes and. 
Well, Doug, uh, Doug Benson is one of the monsters in Captain EO, and he was doing <laughs> a lot of extra work. And he's also in Blade Runner. Oh, oh yeah. As someone in the city streets. And he he would, in purpose, like bump into Harrison Ford pretty hard to try and get a reaction from him to, because if the extras do something memorable, it's more likely they'll be on the final movie. Oh, my goodness. But it's it's just funny to... But they said, you know, Coppola, like, was not very present on the set of Captain EO. Hmm, uh, Which I think no. at the time was, like, per minute of film produced, the most expensive film ever made. <laughs> yeah. Although That's I think what the most expensive Michael Jackson thing made was that, that one called Ghosts. Oh, that Halloween special? No, well, it was not not the CG Halloween special, but the one where he's like an old man in a mansion that turns into a ghost. Yeah, that's and the one. Oh, is it? Yeah. Because it was meant to originally be an Adam's Family Values uh, number, and then they had to drop it because of all the lawsuits it was getting. Oh, fun. Anyway, speaking of fun, yeah, but Godfather Coda, it's, I, I did find out around the time Godfather 3 came out originally, there was a computer game called The Godfather where you just walked around shooting people. Nice. <laughs> and and I then, get collecting oranges as power-ups. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then in the in the uh, around the time of the Xbox 360 and and so forth, they had games based on the Godfather and the Godfather 2. And in the original Godfather game, they even got Marlon Brando, uh, Robert Duvall, and James Caan back to do voices. No shit. Brando, Khan, and wow. Yeah, so Duval would do a video game, but not Godfather 3. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, to do a video game, to be fair, you're just going in a studio. Right, but yeah. It's strange. You see these, at the time, you know, there was pretty good graphics of people looking like they did in the movie, but then their voice is mm-hmm. so old. Yeah. When they like when Sean Connery did the From Rush With Love game. Yeah, I mean, that was all that stuff. It doesn't quite work, but... We'll just have to see. I mean, with The Godfather, I'm surprised we haven't seen a remake of it yet or a sequel. They, they've done a few novels, you know. They did mm-hmm. Godfather Returns, Godfather's Revenge, and then they did one called, I think, The Corleone Family, which was based on the flashback sequences written for Godfather 4. I could see, like, a series happening. Mm-hmm. I could, I could see that. I, I would like to think that it would be a kind of a hollowed ground thing and people wouldn't really dare remake it but and, who the hell and, who the hell knows i mean <laughs> the name is worth a lot i mean the thing i almost wish would have happened which, which if have that happen i don't think we'd see people talk about godfather 3 as much as they do now uh, when stallone was really big in paramount they invited him to a meeting and they made a mock-up poster the godfather 3 starring written directed by sylvester stallone nice and stallone's reaction was like thank you but no and he just walked out <laughs> I want a movie about that. Although, okay, so now this is all I can think of now is like uh, a Pac-Man. Like it's a Godfather video game, but it plays like Pac-Man. But your your uh, your Corleone just going around the map, going waka 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 waka, <laughs> eating up oranges. Being chased by the fans. <laughs> the ghosts are just agents. Yeah. <laughs> Walker, Walker. 
give me those oranges, you little wimp. <laughs> In fact, I found a late thing Marlon Brando did. Remember when they did those Pepsi commercials with the girl that was in Curly Sue? Oh, yeah. And there's one where she, she's ordering a Pepsi, and it's Marlon Brando's voice dubbed in, talking about how much he wants a Pepsi-Cola. Oh, yeah, and they did that, they did that uh, no talking during the movie ad with her that's like a Western, mm-hmm. but it's like, uh, I think it was like Jack Palance, Palance's voice being all Yeah, shout. that's right. That's funny. All kinds of Godfather things out there. So, I mean, I bet we'll see... Something. I mean, it, I found it kind of tacky that uh, Andy Garcia was saying, "Well, they they should do a miniseries called Vincent." Like he's really <laughs> riding the <laughs> the horse hard to do more Godfather stuff, and I can see why because they set him up as the next Godfather and then didn't do anything with it. But right, yeah. And he gets like the most to do because what I like yeah. is that my um, uh, you know, Godfather is one and two are terrific. Um, and I always go back and forth on which one I like more. And I always side with one because that cast, you, you know, with James Caan, Marlon Brando, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I love that you kind of have Vincent as kind of like a surrogate Sonny. So you do have like that loose cannon character, which is a bit of a cliche, but he does it really well. So I think that kind of like scratches an itch for, well, like, for And me you have that, that Godfather spinoff movie that Michael Cimino made into a movie called The Sicilian. The Sicilian, yeah, which is... That uh, the book takes place when Michael Corleone is off in Italy for a bit, hiding away from And he actually does some stuff in the book. And they were going to get... They tried to get Al Pacino in that movie to have some kind of a part, but they couldn't work that out. Yeah, and they had Christopher Lambert as the Sicilian. Yep. Uh, Nothing screams Sicilian like Lambert. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if he can do Scottish, he can do Sicilian. Yes. Hey, why not? And, uh... Oh, go on. Oh, uh, so okay. So the Curly Sue from the movie of the same name, played by an actress named Allison Porter, turns out she's been doing a lot of stage work. But most recently, she was a contestant on The Voice. But before that, she's in the movie Meet Dave, the infamous bomb starring Eddie Murphy and written by Bill Corbett from MST3K. Oh, boy. Oh. Very interesting. That's where, for part of the promotion, they had a giant Eddie Murphy head driving around Los Angeles. Oh, that's where that comes from. Yeah. <laughs> Someone has that car now. Like, I wonder if they still take it out. Maybe. Just, I don't... The um, it's weird that the Godfather films are kind of parallel with Mario Puzo's The Sicilian, because The Sicilian's based on a real dude, Salvatore Giuliano. Yep. Which is like a Robin Hood esque like revolutionary mm-hmm. bandit dude yeah I wonder how that works and, but they the Corleone stuff it's, I mean it's there in the book some but it's not the main focus but right and I mean if there was some uh, Mario Puzo stuff for television you had the the two miniseries The Last Dawn part one and two mm-hmm. based on one of his later books but a lot of his other books they never made into movies so I, I think we'll see more there, and certainly the Puzo estate is interesting. Is interested at least to have uh, different, um, you know, not spinoff novels. And there's a Godfather themed uh, slot machines in Vegas, I believe. There is still plenty of gravy in the Godfather train. Oh yeah. yeah. And by gravy, we mean the Italian kind, the kind you spend all Sunday to make, and you put all the meats in the tomato sauce, not the, oh, not the okay, brown so gravy that, in your potatoes. That was something that I noticed this time for the first time. Uh, so when Mary visits uh, Vincent 
uh, at at the the club he runs, and he's upstairs, and they're making the sauce. The mm. only two ingredients out are salt and olive oil. Like, oh yeah, yeah, salt and mm. olive oil. The only ingredients in tomato sauce. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> in fact, they came out with the Italian Corleone family uh, cookbook. Oh yeah, I think there's a there's a Sopranos one too, if I remember correctly. Well, this, there's you know, three well, Sopranos ones. The Sopranos ones were very smoke. successful. You know, you know what the the that there's a particular there's a breakfast recipe in that book. I, I I will use it to make you some waffles you can't refuse. <laughs> is that every recipe is just so and so you can't receive them refuse? Well, it has to sound like offers. So a waffle, uh, offal. That's another yeah. mix. Offal you can't yeah. refuse. There's um. <laughs> I found, you can't refuse. Right. I found some weird clips on YouTube on one of the re-airings of the Godfather saga. That chronological cut. It's also known as the Godfather, the novel for television. It's also called Godfather Epic, depending on when you watch it. There's all these different versions of that. But in one of them, Talia Shire kind of did the intro sequences, and she goes on a long screed about how the movie's not anti-Italian. And Oh, yeah. yeah. It, the first movie especially was controversial a bit at the time for, um, I think they had to have some consultant from like the Italian League of, of such and such. So the Italian-American. Yeah, Italian-American. And, and they had to take out any reference of mafia in the screenplay or Cosa oh. Nostra. So, I mean, that's why they refer to them as the five families. Okay. Well, they, yeah, they, because... even, they even talk about that in this movie, though, where he has a whole, you know, people here, Italians, they think that they said these words like that's Cosa right. Nostra, yep. mafia. Yeah. 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 And, and um, I... oh, go on. Oh, no. It's just, um, I remember the, godfather like dvds that i have has a whole episode about like the like, cultural like you know impact of the film and like you know things like fat tony and stuff and a lot of actors and stuff were like we loved seeing you know like the scenes where they're making the gravy and the scenes where they're uh, yes. you know they're like the, the guy yeah dancing with the kids standing on a sheet it's like i felt like i was watching my family on screen so it's just funny to have this like anti-defamation thing but all these italian americans identifying with these little subtle like family details of it you know I mean, I think in some interview uh, I read a while ago, Marlon Brando said something to the effect of, like, The Godfather is one of my favorite movies because it meant I never had to pay for pasta again. <laughs> like, anytime he would just go to an Italian restaurant and just get free food immediately. And get, right. Like, to the special table and stuff. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we did a good discussion here about Godfather Coda. You know, if you like Godfather 3, definitely check it out. Um Otherwise, you, uh, especially if you have a 4K player and into collecting the 4K disc uh, formats, you might want to hold off until the uh, big box set comes out sometime next year. So, um, for Sequel Cast 2, this is Matt. Oh, we're not going to talk about oh. what we're watching? Or... Oh, I, I don't think we need to talk about what we're watching. But Okay. <laughs> but let, let's do the scene, right? You have a sequel scene? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, uh, did you all see that in the chat there? Yeah. See yeah, there. so... You got Corleone and Zaza and Neri, right? So who wants yeah. to be who? Yeah, I, I would love to do Zaza just because, you know, Mont Joe Montaigne. You know. Okay. I think, Alex, you have to be Michael with your great imitation. Oh, oh I, thank you very much. I I'll be Al Neri, and I'll also read the narration, which is just one little scene. So, The Marucci Association has elected you their Italian-American Man of the Year. Hands Michael oh. a plaque. Oh, uh, Maiucci. Who's Maiucci? He is the Italian-American who invented the telephone. Did it one year before Alexander Graham Bell. Oh, and this is the reason you have 
This is the reason you have come to my home on this day. I have a stone in my shoe, Mr. Corleone. A two-bit punk who works for me, who thinks he's related to you. A bastard. He's here, Vincent Mancini. He's, he's at the party. Well, bring him in. I think it is good that we talk. I have a problem. Now I have to find out if it is my problem or your problem. Joey, your business is your business. I have no interest, no percentages. I'm out. Good. Then it is my problem. I probably should have started with that, Tony. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, and that one leads to the scene where uh, Vincent bites Zaza's ear. (laughs) Yeah. And then you get to see the the patch on Zaza's ear the rest of the film. I wonder if uh, Mike Tyson was inspired by Godfather 3. Oh, good lord. Hey, you know, my nail looks pretty good. Could be. Um, yeah, so let's wrap this up. So uh, you can uh, visit me on Twitter at MATWBT. Follow the show at SequelCast2. Uh, uh, you can follow a... me on Twitter uh, at Internet Mayor. You can also purchase uh, a lot of my uh, the, the tabletop RPG stuff I've worked on on DriveThroughRPG.com. Uh, I do hardly recommend buy the stuff particularly now, if you're going to buy any of my stuff on drivethroughrpg.com, buy the stuff that's published by Skirmisher Publishing LLC. I actually get like royalties from those, so those would be really helpful at the end of the year. And Alex? Excellent. Um, you can find me on the Twitter at uh, crabnebula1914 and um, drop by my YouTube channel, The Trailer Project. There's a lot of Fun stuff, essay films, uh, trailer commentaries, and a um, recent uh, short essay on uh, regarding uh, David Fincher's Mank. So drop by, check it out if you can. So for uh, SequelCast, this is Matt. This is Thresher. I'm Pacino. Saying. Now, when people hear the name Corleone, they're going to think of a beautiful voice. Didn't we make olive oil at one point or another? <laughs> no, they even point out that olive oil factor. Yeah, <laughs> they they do. They point out the sign. It's uh, I mean, that would be a, a weird Godfather game, right? It's like a an olive oil business simulation. <laughs> yeah, you have to, like you know file invoices and like right. You know, it has nothing to do with the mafia. It's just all right, kind of yeah. business stuff. It's just we like very much on the sidelines for olives. <laughs> How much are you gonna cut the olive oil? Is it gonna be twenty percent or thirty percent canola? I have to know because I print the labels. Is it extra virgin or extra extra virgin? Gotta find out. I gotta know. Like I said, the label guy is very difficult. It breaks the hardest heart. Promise me you.